What's up, amigos? Just wanted to give you an update on the Cinco de Mayo event that I'm going to be having here at my home. We have uh, some guest speakers already lined up. Let me tell you first, though, that uh, what we're going to be doing is on May 6th, which is the Friday, and then May 7th, which is the Saturday. Um, on the Friday, we're going to be having a tour of the city. I will take all of you and the guest speakers uh, to a tour of San Antonio that wouldn't be your conventional type of tour. Um, this is not a let's go check out the Alamo type of tour. This will be a tour of San Antonio or San Anto or Countdown City 210, uh, more of my style. And um, and we'll definitely uh, uh, hang out afterwards, have some drinks, some food, uh, try to make it a a unique experience that uh, you won't ever forget. And of course, then the Saturday, that will be the main event. Um, so we will have a special uh, late lunch uh, that my cousin Gabriel is preparing. He is making a cabrito that uh, feeds about, uh, I think he mentioned, he, I talked to him yesterday. He says it feeds uh, between uh, 20 and 30 people. So uh, be sure to get your tickets early by emailing me um, at lostlibertinos210 at gmail.com. But uh, that will be on Saturday. And of course, then we will have our guest speakers um, uh, having some conversations with all of us. Uh, I will have some special topics for them. And we will do that on Saturday after the lunch. And so far, uh, uh, I have a pretty cool lineup. It's a, a, a Texas style event. And right now we have uh, Buck Johnson from the Counterflow podcast um, lined up. We also have Andrew from Popular Liberty coming uh, uh, in from Houston to, uh, to the event. And then we have a new fellow Texan. Uh, that uh, is going to make the event also. And that is Matt Erickson from the King Pilled podcast. So uh, I plan to add a couple of more guests and I plan to also, oh, and I forgot. Then after all of that, and of course it's going to be recorded. I want uh, audience uh, participation. I want it to be a very freestyle flow of ideas uh, back and forward. And uh, as you recall, as you might recall, I am building a stadium in my backyard. It is going to be made uh, for playing football and having fun with family and friends, but it's also made uh, to host this type of event. And then, of course, at the end, we will be all hanging out uh, uh, with my family and friends and all of you guys. And we'll be watching the, the main event fight, the Canelo versus... Uh, uh, the, the Russian Vato, I forgot his name, Bivol, I think is his name, um, uh, that night. And we'll just uh, have a chingasos and fire type of evening. Uh, it should be all positive. Uh, you should leave this event feeling better about uh, your current state of affairs and, have, and coming off of this event with a uh, better mindset about everything. I mean, uh, uh, it's meant to be a positive event So and, for, and family friendly. So uh, be sure to uh, email me at loslibertinos210 at gmail.com uh, for more information. Uh, and like I said, it's a limited seating. 
So please uh, be sure to uh, uh, get with me early uh, before uh, tickets run out. Peace. Welcome, everyone, to Los Libertinos podcast. I am your host, Carlos Abelard, and this is Chingazos and Fire, episode number 36. Our guest today is Paul Alexander. He is the owner of a multimedia company called Radically Rational Media, LLC. He's had a long career in the radio broadcasting uh, business and has been a uh, news director uh, uh, also. Uh, now he is the host of the Radically Rational podcast, where he wants to see the return of the national discourse to a fact-based conversation and wants to make sanity sexy again. Uh, welcome, Paul. Thank you so much, Carlos, and thank you for the invitation. I've been looking forward to this uh, conversation. I'm a big fan of yours and what you're doing. Sounds like fun to me. Uh, thank you. And um uh, I know who you are because, uh, you know, uh, be, uh, being here in San Antonio, uh, uh, I've uh, uh, consumed your content uh, over the years. And uh, but a lot of people will not know who you are. So if you don't mind, uh, can you please give us a background born and raised and uh, uh, anything you want to get into just to kind of give the audience a general scope of uh, who you kind of are? I appreciate that. I was born in Houston a long time ago. My family moved to Lockhart, a small town just south of Austin, when I was seven. Uh, I'm a proud Lockhart lion. Uh, my undergraduate degree in journalism is from what was then Southwest Texas State. I also have a master's in communications research from the University of Incarnate Word. I've just been so fortunate. I'm, I'm saying this just humbly and gratefully. I've had so many opportunities afforded to me in so many areas of American media, including print, blogs, television, radio, magazines, advertising, things of that nature. And again, I think what's that, I hope that has done is that's given me an opportunity to see other people's points of view. And that kind of brings us up to date with where I am now. Perfect. Uh, uh, thank you, Paul. And uh, so for the purposes of this conversation, since we've kind of uh, always had our back and forth uh, out of respect, I will uh, uh, describe or call the uh, American system uh, uh, football. We'll say football today. And, and when I'm describing soccer, I'll say football. And I think we'll be on the, uh, I think if that's okay, we uh, we can move forward here. But uh, yeah, um, so um, I like to say before that character on uh, that show that comes out on Apple, the, I already forgot what it's called, uh, the the soccer one uh, where I got that that uh, coach goes. To, I don't know if you've seen it. That coach goes to um, Europe to go coach over there. Um, I forgot what it's called. Anyway, uh, you know, I like to say that uh, football is life and um, that I use the game to help me push my pace and then also reflect on my own strategic game plan to to score life goals. Uh, so in general, what is it about sports and the operating operating system of sports that 
uh, billions of people around the world can connect into and then use it as they see fit? Yeah, I think, first of all, it, it builds who you are. And at some point, I think it kind of shows who you are. The reason I've always been attracted to it is because uh, particularly the teamwork aspect of the sports that I've been involved in, it's something I really enjoy. Sports ultimately is all about relationships. You know, you can forget other things. Um, you, you can forget a particular game. You can forget a particular play, but you never forget people. And the important thing to me is that sports provides a framework to foster those relationships that can really last a, long, a, a lifetime. And really my relationships with my teammates and coaches and later when I became a coach with my players and fellow coaches and things like that, that's what really attracts me to it. Plus, uh, you know you love something, Carlos, when you enjoy preparing for it as much as you do doing it. And I've always found that in all the various aspects of sports that I've been involved in, whether it was as a player or a coach or a broadcaster or a writer, um, I don't shy away from the work. I enjoy the work. I, in fact, it kind of it kind of cleanses me and prepares me. So again, you know you love something if you don't mind preparing for it. And in fact, you love preparing for it. Yeah, recently uh, here in the well, you know, you know this in the United States, the the the, the greatest sports spectacle here is the yearly uh, Super Bowl that we have, and um, uh, I know it's been. Uh, I guess maybe like almost a month or three weeks or something like that away. But uh, uh, I'm still going to try to get your take on it because, uh, uh, you know, I know that's kind of what you do. And uh, but um, so when I watched it, I, uh, I I had three main takeaways because the next day I was like, that's what I thought about. And uh, my takeaways were that uh, and in order basically here was that all the homies and our ladies during halftime had a good time. You know, the music, everything, everybody there was chilling, having a good time during halftime. Um, second was that the game from the beginning to the end was like, uh, you know, high quality, intense throughout. You could just see uh, everybody like if you were there or like, you know, I like to always uh, uh, bring up boxing. It was like if everybody was ringside, just it, it was just a, a very good game. And then um, and then third was that, um, you know, uh, the rock is making a move to, you know, run for president one day. I don't know when, but it just seemed like, the, you know, it just seemed like, the, you know, he was going to, it just seemed like he was making a move and he knows uh, exactly how this game of uh, the political charades kind of gets played a little bit. And um, so what was your take on the Super Bowl? Uh, you know, you might have a different take obviously than me, but uh, I try to see different aspects of it, but uh, what was your general take of it? And, and maybe even the, general take of uh, the grand narrative of the Super Bowl uh, coming out of it? Pretty much in line with yours. I thought it was a wonderful show. I thought, and when I say show, I mean the entire Super Bowl experience. I mean, the NFL really knows how to do that. And they nailed it this time. And that's a wonderful venue and an incredible stadium. Uh, I know that the halftime show was a big hit nationally. And all I care about is that people enjoy it. And I thought that was absolutely wonderful. You're right. Uh, the Rock is a master businessman. And there was a little kind of XFL thing in there a little bit. It, right before kickoff, if you remember, they left the kickoff team and the kickoff return team just hanging out there on the field for about two minutes while The Rock does this big soliloquy. And it, it really was kind of shaky a little bit, but he pulled it off. So that was fine. And then I thought the football game, Carlos, was fascinating. 
if you love the sport and you're into the back and forth and the chess match and things like that, there were adjustments and counter adjustments. I thought it was absolutely hyper competitive. I thought it was really conducted at a high level. Uh, we had a very exciting finish. I, I thought that it was inevitable that we were heading toward overtime and the Bengals couldn't get it in field goal position there in the last minute, but I thought it was a, a wonderful football game. I thought the better team won, but I also think the Cincinnati Bengals proved that they're going to be a force to be reckoned with for years to come. Okay. Yeah. Um, you could tell like the future of uh, football was in display, you know, as far as uh, uh, the yeah. quarterbacks, the, the quarterbacks for sure that uh, we're going to, if you enjoy it, you're going to have a good product coming out of at least those two teams for sure. Um, so yeah, uh, I know that you, uh, 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 love the game and I want to kind of, uh, get to the essence of how you kind of, uh, love the, the game of football. Um, uh, my history with it is that in the, in the nineties, you know, we watched it cause the Cowboys, you know, you right. know, the Cowboys, you know, that was just the thing to kind of do. And, you know, I always understood the game. I was very, always athletic. I, uh, my, my, my career in football is just being the middle school, uh, but seventh grade, uh, running back for Longfellow middle school here in San Antonio. And, uh, and I remember, you know, the coaches would say, hit the hole, quit going around. And I just kept on saying, there's no hole for me to hit, you know, what do you want me to do? And, 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 uh, and then I was the kicker, right? Of course the soccer guy's going to be the kicker. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't ever score any field goals. The, they would just block it before I even got the kickoff. So like, I remember in eighth grade, uh, I went to my coach and said, you know, uh, I just want to be straight up. I think I'm going to quit because, um, you know, I'm just getting beat up and you guys keep yelling me that, that, I, that I need to go through the hole, but there's no hole by the time I hit that. The, you know, so anyway, I ended up quitting. And uh, um, uh, so that was kind of my football career it was one year uh, running back, running into my own teammates for the most part. Um, what was kind of, uh, 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 your, uh, you know, high school, I don't know what you went, got into and, and, uh, what, what was about the actual of playing of, of the game that, and like you said, I know it's the relationships, but, uh, you know, you could talk about like the, you know, like you said, strategy adjustments. Uh, I don't know. I know it. I, like I said, like, like, uh, foot, football is life. So I, I understand the adjust, the adjustments and the strategic in that. And I always try to bring it into uh, football, but uh, I'm not going to be able to grasp it like the way or describe it. Uh, or I want to hear your take on it because uh, I, I know you're a genius at, at this stuff here. I don't know about the genius part, but I certainly love it deeply. And one of my earliest memories, I mean, I love football from the time I was cognizant. I mean, I knew mm -hmm. when I was three years old that I loved football and that I wanted to be a football player and I couldn't get enough of it. Um, my dad would throw the ball to me in the backyard. God bless him. And the thing is, he never forced me into anything, but he never denied an opportunity, you know, and the man would be out there working 11 hours a day and he'd come home beat to death. And here's this little kid ragging on him to go out in the backyard and throw the ball. And he would throw it until his arm fell off. Mm. And it, it meant everything to me because I just enjoyed it so much. And one of my first memories, this could have been the proudest moment of my life. And I couldn't have been more than about four at this point. And it's after work. My dad's been at work all day long. It's late in the summer. It's hot. It's nasty. And he's out throwing the ball to me. And a next door neighbor sees this. And I wasn't so. Mm. 
Hey, Paul got cut off. To hear it. But my dad says, yeah, I know. I keep trying to knock that little blank through the fence with this football. He catches everything. That was the, like the proudest moment of my life. And I think you become who people tell you you are. Okay. So people told me that I had an uncommon ability to catch a football. I don't know whether I did or not, but people told me that. So I became that. Um, and, and later on, when I was teaching and coaching, Carlos, I try to be so cognizant of this. You never know when you just told somebody, particularly a young person, particularly a kid, something that's going to change their life forever, for better or worse. So watch your tongue, watch your mouth, because you can crush a kid, but you can also lift up a kid and you can change their self-identity. I remember when I got to high school and it's day and we've got a new coach who's giving out shoes and things like that. And he's up, you know, on a ladder on in the attic, shoes down and all that kind of thing. And he looks down and he sees me and we've never met before because he's a brand new coach. He says, Oh, I heard about this guy. I better get him some fast shoes. Oh, so here's the deal. I had some speed, but I wasn't the fastest guy out there. I had above average speed. Okay, but the guy told me that I'm fast. So, damn it, I'm fast. So, it's just so important to reinforce things with young people because they're going to become what you tell them they are. So, make sure that's a positive thing. That's perfect. Um, yeah, and on the aspect of the of the game, um, so I like to watch uh, 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 football, and I like to uh, include uh, boxing terminology into it. And basically, that I, I just feel that the the over time you're you're putting in body work to both sides, offensive, defensively, and over time, then you're going to see in the third and fourth quarter where the body wants to quit and then you're really going to see the, the 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 standout um you know the late rounds i guess of a fight you know that's where you kind of start seeing the grinding of it and all that so in the beginning of the game i'll uh uh you know because i'm not that much into it but i'll watch it you know i can watch it on and off and you know i'm having a we're at a party i keep an eye on it but i know that it's the early rounds and if you can get some points on the board and get some you know get some rounds in early and get them on you try to, you try your best, you know, you push that, you push it, but those later rounds are the ones that I'll start kind of paying attention more just to kind of see how, who's tired, who's, who, who's, who's getting subbed out more. Uh, how is the line uh, kind of like walking towards the next play? You know, I'll notice the little things like that, just to kind of see basically the, the body, uh, the, the entire body of the team, how, how they're uh, moving. So um, that's kind of how I see it a little bit uh, or, or try to see it. Uh, 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 can you kind of get into the strategic uh, angles and the coaching side of it? Because I've never talked to a, a football coach or someone that's coached it, and uh, it, it fascinates me, the, the, the game. Once again, you are right on point, this idea of out-toughing your opponent and being there late. Uh, games in, in, you know, in so many sports are settled in latter stages, in football skates, the fourth quarter, et cetera. And, you know, one thing, even as a player, I, I liked getting dirty. Uh, I liked the hard work. I, I didn't mind being hot and sweaty. And I liked it 
when my team was challenging your team to see who is still going to be standing. And I think, you know, as you, as you come up and you're a little kid and then you're a middle schooler and then you're a high school varsity athlete, obviously you're maturing as a person, but you're also maturing as an athlete and as a teammate. And I was really fortunate, Carlson, and then I played on some really good teams at Lockdown. And there were times when we would blow an opponent out. And I have a hard time remembering those games, but I can cite every play of games that went right down to the wire, where one of us is going to fall, one of us is going to quit. And, you know, you're not necessarily ready to push through that when you're 12 years old. And that's one of the most rewarding things about athletics is you see yourself mature, you see your friends and teammates mature. And if it works out properly, you are such a tight unit that is so devoted to each other. And I only had one fear, really, in football. I was terrified of the idea of letting my team down or letting my teammates down. I mean, I, you know, literally, I was playing for the guy next to me. Those bonds were so deep. So it was, it was, it, it really became a point of pride. And I remember the first couple of times when it was evident that we really did out-tough an opponent in the fourth quarter, that this game had been decided by nothing other than desire and conditioning because the talent levels of the two teams were relatively equal. That's very rewarding to me. And you also realize that it is difficult. It is uncomfortable. So when I got into coaching, I heard a quote from Tom Landry that I thought was fascinating. He said, coaching is getting people to do things they don't want to do in order to accomplish things that they all want to accomplish. Well, I'm not going to tell you that every single one of those practices was lollipops and roses because this was Texas high school football in the 1970s and it absolutely wasn't. But it was worth every one of those sprints. It was worth every one of those contusions. It was worth the dehydration, etc. Um, I've really found this, Carlos. We all have difficult challenges in our lives at every stage in our life. Everybody. But regardless of what it was, and what it continues to be, I'm able to tell myself, oh, I've dealt with tougher stuff than this. <laughs> I dealt with tougher stuff than this when I was 17 years old, so I'm good. And it kind of gives you a sense of composure. And I think that's one of the things that athletics does for you as well. That's fascinating. Right now, when you were talking, I started going back into my, uh, my like, uh, you know, my, you know, it was fascinating to hear you say that the, the thing that you feared most was letting your teammates down. and you know, looking back when I quit at seventh grade, you know, uh, I was looking out for myself because I was like, I'm going to get injured just, you know, but, you know, that was but, you know, at that time, I thought like my dad said, well, if you're going to quit, you need to go tell the coach up in, in person, because if you're going to quit that way, you need to you need to go talk, you need to go tell the coach in person and and just tell him why. And, and, and it is what it is. But it was funny because uh, then in high school, you know, I was still athletic enough with the, the the football coaches would tell me, hey, well, come play, come play over here, come play running back, come play that. And and then I still was like, no, nah, I'm going to get injured. And uh, the, it's funny that the sports gods kind of put things into perspective, uh, put things in play. And, you know, in my senior year playing football, I broke my leg and I didn't even get to play. So it's funny that uh, I still got injured playing the sport. You know, it, it's funny. like I haven't put that all together. It's, 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 it's funny how that works out. But uh, 
Um, so yeah, uh, and and uh, kind of moving along a little bit of the of uh, of what kind of put me more on on uh, uh, like what you've been doing more on my radar has been that uh, you started this um, the your podcast um, and it kind of came out of um, uh, I feel for sure out of out of the the Trump era or at least after he got elected or during it, it kind of seemed like uh, you were at least to me on social media, which was on uh, mostly on Facebook, uh, you kind of, uh, uh, found that voice, uh, seemed a lot louder. You, you might've had these opinions in the past. I never really, <laughs> got, got, uh, I never really, uh, heard them in that way, but you know, you, you know, you kind of did. And, and to me, um, it, 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 it's, I was never a, uh, against sports and politics, uh, being intertwined because if I say that football is life, well then, you know, football is life. And um, and uh, what is your take on this whole uh, sports and politics? Because right now, especially, um, you know, and for me, someone like Trump, even though he wasn't an athlete, he does come out of this world of sports entertainment, meaning like a little bit of the WWF style, a little bit of like there's something about that. And that goes back to why I say, you know, The Rock is making a move because Maybe a long time ago, you wouldn't say that like, oh, this 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 wrestler guy is announcing some something on the Super Bowl. You wouldn't think anything of it. But now it's uh, I would not be shocked if The Rock runs for president and wins, you know, like, uh, well, oh, what is your take on this whole sports and politics, uh, uh, the, 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 the intertwining of it? Well, certainly there's been some showmanship always. And I think to a large degree, there have always been common elements. And there have always been similarities. I think they're more visible now. They're more noticeable now because media is everywhere, and particularly we have social media, et cetera. Uh, you mentioned, and I appreciate this very much. Thank you. Uh, the name of our company and podcast is Radically Rational. And I'll give you a quick story about how this came to be. Uh, as you, again, were, were kind enough to mention, I spent a number of years as a local television news director in a variety of markets. And what I found was that people were allowing themselves to unhook themselves from the truth. You know, lying has always had a stigma. Lying has always been, at least we've always agreed in principle, it's a bad thing. Now it's not only tolerated, it's expected, it's even applauded and celebrated. And to me, once a society gets to the point where we're not dipping into the same well of facts, Okay, we've always been able to interpret facts differently, but until really recently, maybe a decade ago, maybe less, we still acknowledged the same facts. Now, what we did with those facts would differ from person to person, from party to party, et cetera. But now we have a situation and it, it's just absolute gaslighting. You can see something with your own eyes and hear it with your own ears. And you can see documentation that is irrefutable and somebody will look you right in the eye and say, no, you didn't. Okay, so we've gone to a brand new level of lying. And do I think that Donald Trump is the poster child for that? I do. But that's not to say that he invented it. And I don't blame Trump as, as much as I do the people that would buy this. And, you know, and as we speak this morning, and, and I don't know when people are going to see this, you know, we're seeing very common elements from Russia right now. No, we didn't do that. That's not an invasion. You know, I didn't shoot at that nuclear power plant. And because people's followers have now become cultists 
All they need to know is that this person said that. And we've become so blindly tribal. We don't look at facts. We don't look at established documentation. All we know is that's my guy or that's my girl or that's my jersey or you wear the other jersey. So yay for our side and and and, and boo you. That's not rational. And a society cannot endure that way. If, if we don't acknowledge the existence of discernible facts, and Carlos, of course, there are things that are debatable. There are things that have not been settled, but with stuff that is, has been settled as established fact or established science, okay, if you deny that, this is 2022 going on 1422. We're back in the dark ages. So that was my motivation for founding this company. But here's what it is and what it isn't. And again, you're so kind to have me on. Uh, all this is, is, I hope, explained at radicallyrational.com. Yeah, our motto is we're bringing facts back into fashion. We're making simple sanity sexy again. And, and kind of laughingly, we're not crazy. You are. But I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea about this. This is not some kind of staid, boring, academic thing, you know, where people are wearing bow ties and they've got, you know, uh, elbow patches on their tweed jacket. This is primarily an entertainment product. And it's, it's, it's my goal, it's my job to entertain you, whether we're talking about news or politics or sports or what it is. But we are coming at it from a framework of, folks, we've got to get a grip here. We've got to get back to having some allegiance to the truth because the fact that we're ignoring the truth or even ignoring the very existence or concept of truth accounts for every single one of these horrible problems that we're facing right now. Don't forget to visit our sponsor, palomaverdescbd.com. It is a family-run business that my wife and I run out of our home. Uh, it is we've been we've had it for a little over two years and the last year we have been strictly an online business we've had our struggles uh but we've uh, persevered and we have also recently added some new products uh, to our line uh, of course you know that we have all the edibles uh the tinctures uh all the salves and uh, uh, uh cream sports creams and um uh, and some of the pet products, but uh, we've uh, added this time some, uh, you know, bath bombs, 25 milligrams each. There's four in this bottle. Uh, you know, be sure to take care of your lady or um, you could take care of yourself if you're that kind of vato, you know, that's cool too. And also some uh, massage oil, once again, to take care of your lady or yourself if you're that kind of vato. That's okay too. <laughs> and uh, when we first started the business, if any of you guys are aware, uh, it was meant to help our fathers out. And at that time, the the stigma behind cannabis uh, products was still around here in our culture. Uh, our, our fathers weren't really up to it, but you know, we kind of told them that uh, there was no psychoactive effects or any THC in the product. And then they have been uh, users of it and they've gotten a lot of benefits from it. But we've also listened to our uh, uh, customers and many of them have mentioned that they'd like us to bring in a full spectrum product because there are there are some uh, extra benefits sometimes through the entourage effect. If you have 
some of the THC in it. So uh, we have a new uh, uh, full spectrum uh, tincture, uh, 2250 milligram uh, tincture bottle. Uh, so you can be sure to check that out if you're trying to get some of that, um, plus all the other products that we have. So visit palomaverdescbd.com. Use the promo code CHINGASOS at checkout, C-H-I-N-G-A-S-O-S for 20% off anything that you purchase, free shipping. So be sure to check it out. And I appreciate, uh, Vanessa and I appreciate any of your support. Get your products, take care of uh, your body and mind, and peace. Yeah, I um, I um, I take a little bit, since I've been doing the podcast, go, coming on close to a year, uh, I take a little bit out of every interview and uh you know since i since you know you're local and and you you come on my feed more uh, uh you know I'll, I'll check out what you jam you know what, what you put out and uh, one of the things that i've uh, taken is that that yes there is a, a a a baseline of what is mostly the truth you know like like you know hey you know come on now this is obvious you know but also in hearing you and a little bit like, you know, like, you know, you, you kind of sound like if you're frustrated with like, hey, people, you know, can we at least get a baseline of, of, of and then we can like talk about it. Um, and like you said, you know, Trump didn't invent Trump isn't the first line politician. Obviously, they all do. But um, I do think that Trump and this is why kind of I bring up the like the rock and all that. It's that now the game has changed toward grand narratives where the reason why people don't they they you they can look at you and tell you no is because if it's not part of the narrative that they're pushing then it doesn't matter you know they can just say it and like the value now isn't to be honest and the truth and all that the value is can your narrative beat their narrative and um and and Trump did at least give us uh at least it gave me for sure that uh, it made me take a step back and really like, I don't know, I don't know if you, uh, you, you've probably heard it before where in the, in the past you've heard like, and I always heard it, but I never put it into play in my, in, in my operating system, which was that you would always say about, Oh, all these politicians on, on TV, they hate each other, but then they go hang out. It's like wrestling. Hey, it's like a big wrestling, you know, they hang out afterwards and all that. So I now watch some of this political stuff as if I'm paying my taxes to watch the theater now, I know that there's actual policies that are involved and people, you know, there's actual uh, that happen. But for, for me, for it to not affect what I can control my personal life, where it doesn't affect me like it used to, where I would get upset. And so uh, I just kind of watch it like like a game. Um, am I uh, wrong to do it that way uh, is, is my strategy, you know, because I'm talking strategy of how I of how I see it. Uh, should uh, should I be a little bit more uh, on the on the front foot? against uh the the people that just put out lies uh you know kind of what you know what is your take well i hear what you're saying i do think things have changed a little bit and you were kind of referencing a time where political opponents there was a story about like for example ronald reagan and tip o'neill they could not have been any more different politically and they'd go at it hammering tongs all day and then they'd go get a drink after work and they were friends and asked to each 
See, I don't think that's what's happening now, Carlos. I think this has changed radically. <clears throat> I think it's why it's so unhealthy. We have two parties now who truly hate each other. The point is, this maybe used to be a certain degree of theater. This is not theater now, except within the realm of a particular respective party. There's internal theater, uh, theater in the Republican Party. There's internal theater in the Dem Democrat Party. But what's going on between them? They're not kidding. And it's frightening. And we are Americans. And this is true hatred. In fact, we have a party right now that doesn't care about anything else other than sticking it to the other guy. The party I'm referencing has no policy. They have no principles. They have no program. They have no agenda. All I, they know is I hate you. And if I find somebody else that hates the same people I hate, they're my allies. So I would say that this is a sea change. That it's not a healthy one at all. That this is a level of venom that we've never seen in American political history. It's become completely tribal. We've got so many serious problems that we can address, that we need to address, but we refuse to address them because we won't even talk to each other. So whoever hates my enemy is my friend. That's no way to run a country. That's no way to run a human being. That's no way to run a brain or a heart. No society can survive with that philosophy. And this is a brand new level of mindlessness and venom. Okay. So, so in your, in your, uh, you know, uh, and I, I didn't get into the game of really paying attention to politics until the, the Ron Paul campaign. I, I, I'm a, a Ron Paul guy. So I came in in 07, uh, uh, you know, and, you know, I saw the deception then what they were doing to him a little bit. You know, I know, I, I know, you know, looking back now. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, I get it. You know, Ron Paul, um, you know, and at that time I was young. So, you know, I was kind of like, Hey, you know, why not? You know? And, uh, but sure, I get it. So I saw it even back then. But so you're saying that even so before that, it wasn't as tribal. Uh, do you think but but don't their the, their kids and like, don't they still all go to the same schools? Like, like, don't they isn't there another like, don't they all go to the same schools, these elite schools? And and then they'll intermarry with like the, the kids of media like they're still kind of on the same team, kind of. But maybe what whatever they're giving us um uh is still part of the theater or am i wrong to think that you know i mean i guess i'm kind of disagreeing with you a little bit that yeah, well, sure. i still think that they're that they still intermarry they're all still part of the same elite schools and all that and and uh you know i don't know you know and you know i guess i'm disagreeing with you a little bit uh but you know you could put some pushback on me for sure you know like i mean i think that it's still kind of, that the okay. theater had to get more intense because the 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 narratives that both you know because you always hear about what was it about like Oh, every everybody always uh, like the House of Representatives, like they have like a ten percent approval rating, but every time like the 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 reelection rate is always like high for each one of their candidates. So it's like uh, there's like these counter narratives of the grand narrative is like, hey, the the House sucks over there, but not my not my guy, right? So it's always like a, a big narrative over there. And then it's like the closer it gets, like oh no, I, I, my my congressman doesn't suck. So it's it, it, it's these weird tensions that are always there. But I still think that they kind of that they're still all homies, you know, and they're not uh, real, you know. But I don't know. I could be wrong, you know. What, what, what do you think? Well, I think that's eroded. I would like to think that, and and I I'm so hopeful that maybe we can move back toward that. I, 
I will say honestly that that's not what I'm observing right now. That this is so tribal right now. This is so anti-polar, us versus them. And it's going down to levels that we've never seen before, Carlos. I mean, it's, it's one thing when we've got all this purely partisan venom going on in Congress, uh, in some cases in the, in the executive branch, in some cases in the judicial branch. But Carlos, look at what's going on in the country right now. And unfortunately, we've seen it because it's come to a head the last two years, particularly because of the pandemic. This just incredible divisiveness, this complete tribalism, this is us versus you. And I hate you because you're in the wrong. This is going all the way down to the local school board level all over the country. These incredible fights that we've had, and this is just an example, but it's a recent one and one that everybody will identify with. But these recent battles over things like masks and vaccines and curriculum and the nastiness that is addressed at school board members and the we haven't seen that before. You know, a society that doesn't value the education of their children or the safety of their children. Um, this really concerns me because I, I think this is kind of a, a sad evolutionary societal change. We've got to the point where not only do we not care about your kids, we don't care about our kids anymore. And if there's one thing that has really been the hallmark of America and really any sane civilized society is that you love your kids and that you love your neighbor's kids. You know, and I know this got all kinds of derisive disdain when it was said, but it really does take a village. And this notion that this is somehow some kind of socialist. Look, I grew up in Lockhart, Texas, okay? I'm pretty well a dyed-in-the-wool Texan, okay? So, so anybody that wants to call me some kind of flaming liberal or something like that, you're just not listening. Get out of my face, okay? I'm from Lockhart, Texas. But part of the beauty there, Carlos, is it did take a village. My friend's parents took care of me. My parents took care of other people's kids, and they did things like they coached Little League. And they, and they took you on field trips and we watched out for each other. And that's not a socialist agenda. It's called being a civilized society. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. Yeah, I always, uh, I, uh, uh, so I'm not saying it's a third way, but it definitely is. Well, at least, at least it's my way. And I just, since, yes, I do uh, acknowledge that it's uh, like very tribal and all that. I, I I did during COVID just take us. I just kind of was, I took the, I'm going to wait and see how this plays out kind of uh, vibe. And, you know, I mean, um, that was just the way I played it. And, and I hope it doesn't come off that I wasn't taking care of myself or my family. I was just, oh, no, no, not at all. you know, you know, I was just like, you know, I didn't hate on anybody. I respected private property at all times. That was my inner, my, my, my inner principle there. And, and then, you know, uh, you know, if I had to wear a mask, I wear a mask. If I didn't have to, I would analyze the, you know, the, where it was. And, you know, and, and in sports, again, push uh, was, was the was the big push in, you know, the NBA bubble. Uh, all these, you know, uh, sports was pushing the pace on on, on the on, on some of this stuff here. And, um, you know, that's where the, the sports stuff comes back into play. And, and you know, it, 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 I was actually telling yesterday uh, the well, I went to go to the to the post office and. 
you know, my daughter was talking and all that and being very sociable and, and, you know, they were very impressed. And I said, well, you, yeah, you know what? Um, I made it a, a, a point that we never stopped taking her to restaurants during, during the pandemic, because, you know, strategically I was like, well, there's going to be less people and I want her to create, I, I don't want her to, to not have these, the, the, the well, she's, she was only two, two years old at the time, three and now she's four now. I was like, strategically, I'm going to have my daughter be a lot a better social person than everybody else's kid because a lot of other people didn't take their kids out and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I was very strategic about it or kind of like thinking like, I don't, I don't know, man. You know, sports again goes into my head. And I was like, oh, and of course, I didn't do it as a, you know, I, I knew that there's a risk. And I just, you know, the some of the data came out or science was like, hey, there's a low chance for the kids. Like there's lower chance that they, OK, you know, I mean, I never lived my life. Um, you know, like I know there's always risk and stuff uh, and anything, you know, I drive all day in construction. So, you you know, I mean, the, the streets are, you know, are pretty are pretty bad, too. But um, um, so, you know, there's a the, the, uh, you're not against you're not saying so. I don't know. I mean, there was something in your in, in the way that you would uh, in the past year and a half that um, kind of felt that. You were trying to say that the facts were established and I kind of thought that there was a big a, a, a baseline of, of facts that 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 had a history that were established, but there was something new going on. So I just took the I'll wait and see kind of kind of view on it. Well, you know, which I think is very prudent. And, and I'm so glad you brought this up. We don't know everything. And science advances progressively. In other words, we're always gaining more knowledge, and the knowledge that we gain is based on the knowledge that we previously gained. So we don't know everything, but Carlos, at a given point in time, we know what we know. And denying those facts keeps us from advancing in factual knowledge. Now, here's what we knew pretty, pretty quickly on this. Vaccine has been not only effective, it's been remarkably effective. In fact, you can look at any issue anywhere and the numbers don't get any clearer. You are a hundred times more likely to die at the height of that pandemic if you were unvaccinated, a hundred times. Okay? Nobody ever said that the vaccine, and it's been misrepresented, would prevent all infection. The vaccine was designed for two things, to keep you out of the hospital and out of the morgue. And it was not only successful in doing that, it was as successful as any vaccine or any medical or any scientific effort in human history. This wasn't a close call. The numbers were overwhelming. Masks work. Yeah, and so to be, we've given ourselves, we've given ourselves the right, and ourselves the license to deny what we know. And I don't think you can rationalize this by saying, well, you know, we don't know everything yet so i'm not going to make a decision or take a stand on anything we don't know everything yet but we know what we know when we know it and we must act and behave in response to that and then as we gain further knowledge that's the way this is supposed to work i'll use this as an example anybody any human being that is saying that climate change is not real or is not a threat to human existence one of two things, you're either not paying attention or you don't want to pay attention. You know, I hear people criticize scientists and climatologists all the time. Well, look at all these predictions. 
I have been looking at all these predictions. I've been looking at all these predictions for the last 40 damn years, and every single one of them has come true. And in fact, the pace of this crisis advances what the climatologists were telling us. It's an existential threat, and you'll hear people go, no, 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 no just, just don't. Well, do you believe the nose on your face? Do you believe in gravity? Do you believe that water is wet? And it really has gotten to this point, Carlos. I'm being somewhat metaphorical, but not completely. We now have people arguing about whether water is wet. I don't know about you, but I ain't got time for that. Yeah. Uh, no, I hear you. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah. Uh, on the on the on the on the climate part too, man. I I don't know, man. Like uh, I understand exactly what you're saying, um, but I would just like just take a step back and be like you know, the incentive structure, like, you know, there, there is a, what is it called? Like a, like a, a grant complex where, you know, you're not applying for grant money for the government to have these, to do all of this uh, stuff, to tell the government that, oh, there's nothing going on. So there is an incentive structure too. So I always just like, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I like to take it all like that. There's, there's incentives in everything and what are you incentivized to do and what is your, you know, so everybody, so I kind of take it like that. You know, I, 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 I don't. Uh, uh, but that's America, Carlos. That's the way this works. And I really take it to a much more basic level here. Yeah, we've always tried to incentivize things that would help our culture and help our society. And we are a free market economy. So in the, you know, in the process of that, if people benefit from that, if they profit from that, if they make a living from that, what the hell's wrong with that? I take this much to a much more basic level. I'm not cynical about this, but I know what I'm seeing. Sea levels are rising, okay? You got the property on the beach, well, enjoy it while you can, because the beach ain't going to be there. And all this is measurable. This is outside speculation or theory. It's happening. We're seeing things that have never happened before at a level that is just unimaginable. And it's not just a warm and fuzzy, it's not just a we are the world thing. This impacts people's lives. This impacts people's children and families. This impacts geopolitical relations, okay? As climate conditions get worse in one area than another area, you think that's not gonna cause wars? Okay, we fight over money, we fight over land, we fight over property. We're gonna fight over not burning to death. We're going to fight over not um, having enough clean water to drink. We're going to fight over the fact that, that one particular area is much more prone to wildfires and, I don't know, Cat 9 hurricanes, because pretty, pretty soon we're going to have to invent a Cat 9. If you don't see this changing in a fundamental way, you're just not paying. Yeah, I hear you. And... Um... You know, you mentioned uh, uh, geo uh, uh, geopolitical, and uh, that goes a little bit into maybe a little bit of current event news. Um, so, and again, mixing it with sports because it's the way it goes. Uh, uh, at least, you know, I, I watch a lot of this, and you know what? Uh, I don't get a lot of traction online. I'll post some stuff, but this past week, man, I did get a lot of traction on an article that I post from the New York Times that was about. It was just, it was just saying that. Uh, you know, FIFA was not going to allow Russia to play. Uh, the, uh, there's like one or two more qualifying games and there's still one more qualifying 
spot in 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 the in the in the, the Europe, um, and they weren't gonna let Russia play uh, play it. Um, do you think it's uh, uh, FIFA's responsibility to kind of get in that way? Uh, and, Absolutely, and, and, do. They okay. live in this world too. I think it's everybody's responsibility. And Carlos, what we're seeing right now is not a disagreement between or among nations. What we are seeing here is war crimes. This is an entirely different thing. And part of sports is sportsmanship, okay? And you're going to have to be accountable for your actions. And if you're going to essentially attempt a genocide on a people, if you're going to invade and overrun an innocent country, if you're going to do things like fire missiles at nuclear power plants, well, guess what? You're going to have to eat your lunch all by yourself because you're an international pariah. And the last damn thing any of us wants to do is play with you. You act together and come back when you do. But right now, no, you have no sports teams because you have nobody to play because we don't want to play with you. Should uh, FIFA allow the U.S. to play for uh, what it's done in the Middle East? I, I guess that would be up to them. What do you, what I, do you I, think? And, what do you think? By the way, it's a perfectly valid question, okay? And I appreciate the question. This, this is a great discussion. I don't know. But you'd have to weigh that in the court of public opinion and the court of the international sports community and things of that nature. All I know is... As a practical matter, Carlos, things do become more top of mind when they're current and they're acute. And absolutely, there have been over the years, there have been United States um, violations of international law. There have been examples of the United States not being even handed in a lot of things. Okay, so I'm not saying that we're that we're perfect at all and on those occasions when we haven't been i hope that my voice has joined uh the the choir of criticism so i'm not turning a blind eye to it but i do think that as a practical matter it's a little bit different when you're seeing a country and a madman now clearly and i don't say it lightly a guy that clearly has lost his mind that is threatening the future of the world He's threatening the use of nuclear weapons. He means it. If if there's one thing we know about that guy is that he's pretty well made good on every threat that he's made over the years. So no, uh, you're gonna have to pay a price for this. And we see the economic sanctions. We see that we're being very successful strangling Russia's economy. You gotta be a little careful there because that makes it even more desperate. But in terms of the international sports community, no, these things are outrageous. And the sad part is it isn't the fault of the Russian people. It isn't the fault of Russian athletes, but it is the official position of the Russian government. And what you're doing now is so outrageous. It is such an egregious violation of all just common decency, uh, humanity, international law. No, people cannot do that with impunity. And it's a small step, I guess, but those of us who operate in the realm of sports, we can at least exert that in the realm of sports. And until you clean up your act, we ain't playing with you. Yeah, the I looked it up. The, the last time FIFA did that was uh, to sanction uh, Yugoslavia. 
Mm-hmm. And then before that, they sanctioned uh, South Africa for the apartheid. You're so, correct. Um, so if if this is uh, uh, going to that level, then and then I guess to be consistent in the future, then, you know, I hope, you know, if the U.S. does some sketchy shit, then we need to say, hey, FIFA, you know, even though I'm a U.S. fan, hey, you know, if, if you know, we just got to be consistent moving forward, then I guess would be the best way, right? Amen. Perfectly put. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And um, something about, uh, 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 you know, it's still in in the same uh, uh, vein of FIFA is that uh, in 2026, uh, we will be hosting the uh, uh, Mexico, U.S. and Canada will be hosting the World Cup. And uh, I do uh, say that that was one thing that I I, I jokingly say, but not really, because I kind of do agree that I remember when Trump said, you know, he kind of bullied his way a little bit by saying, oh, we want the World Cup uh, here and uh, I'll remember who doesn't get it for us or whatever. So anyway, I I didn't mind the bullying for him to get the World Cup. So that's OK with me, you know. Uh, so uh, he helped the bid and we got it. And um, what do you think is the the future of football here in uh, in this country? I know uh, football is king, but um uh, the more that, uh, you know, we're a, a nation of uh, immigrants and yep. as and as and as more immigrants come in that way, you know, I've kind of even seen that uh, like, you know, like uh, Mexican uh, league football, uh, yeah. uh, uh, the ratings on that is almost very, com- you know, not, not as comparable as like. Amer- but, you know, th- there's the rating battles for all that stuff plays along. So, uh, you know, I don't know uh, with the World Cup coming in 2026, you know, what do you think is the, the future of uh, football here in our country? Very promising, very bright. Uh, it's going to continue to grow for all the reasons that you cite and some others beside. I, I, I will say this. Um, I'm really happy now that we're getting some economic equity between our American men's national team and our American women's national team because the truth of the matter, look. World champions. Scale this, yeah, once you scale this down, just the innate physiological differences. I mean, certainly the women's team has been more successful. It's been more exciting. It's been more fun to watch. And you felt closer to those players for a variety of reasons. So, look, I'm not naive economically. You get paid according to the amount of money that you generate for whoever's paying you. Okay? So, for a long time, you could say, well, you can account for this disparity between men and women because the men are making more money and they're raising more money and they're generating more money. That's not the case anymore. So you you really couldn't use that argument. But in terms of the growth of the sport, uh, it is a global sport. Uh, if 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 you or anybody else wanted to to call it um, Earth sport, I would not argue with you. Uh, no, I, I really wouldn't. And, and again, because the facts are in front of my eyes, you know, I, I'm not going to deny the obvious. Um, you can see the passion that it engenders. It, is a sport um, that you can play anywhere in the world, which I think is a really good thing. Um, So the sport is going to continue to grow. Now, the one thing I will say is that, you know, we were referencing climate change a minute ago, and I was saying I've been hearing this for 40 years. Okay, well, I've been hearing it for more like 50 or 55 years that you know that 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 football that that soccer is 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 going to become the dominant sport in this country. I've been hearing it for five and a half decades. Um, 
that hasn't happened. That's not to say there hasn't been enormous growth, and it's not to say there won't be enormous continuous growth. But I think this obsession with overtaking American football for what it's worth is it, kind of a fool's errand. I mean, it, it's kind of pointless to a degree. But I will tell you that I enjoy the sport, and my enjoyment has grown. You mentioned Ted Lasso which I think is a, a brilliant program That's on a lot of different levels, not just the sports one. In terms of describing the human condition, that may be one of the five most brilliant television series I've ever seen for all of that. You know, I've got a, a, a stepson uh, who is a huge soccer fan, and he's got a PhD. He lives in Chicago. You know, we go visit them and we just plop down and we watch soccer and it's great. And I have enjoyed that. So I, I applaud the growth. Uh, I encourage additional growth. I, I just would just kind of gently suggest that this just obsession with comparing it to the popularity of American football is just really kind of. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, the current uh system of like uh mls like where it's basically like uh like well just the way american sports are where it's kind of like a, a racket where you're kind of if you're in the club then you have a team you know uh uh, uh all around the world yeah all around the world it's uh they have the re the relegation system and and if we don't have here if, if, if that if that ever comes here then i would say hey watch out paul uh you know give it 10 years and once you have the second division team and the third division team and you have parents and kids saying, Oh, my kid plays for the third division pro team. And the fourth, you know, it starts becoming like the, into the fabric of the, of the culture. And then maybe, but you know, we have MLS teams where you have to pay a bunch of money to join the club, you know, and, 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 and if you don't have rele uh, relegation or uh, uh, then uh, it, uh, it'll, it'll never happen. And, and, you know, but you know, Maybe one day, but I doubt it. You know, these these owners, they, they, they protect their spots, you know. Well, they do. And as you said, I mean, that is reflective of what goes on in, in sports everywhere, not just at the professional level, but at the amateur level as well. I mean, uh, I mean, look, for example, at, at, at what goes on in the International Olympic Committee or the U.S. Olympic Committee. I mean, there's some pretty tawdry stuff going on there. So, yeah, this is never going to be some kind of. Uh, ivory pure undertaking uh, we want to keep it as clean as we can certainly and, and i think vigilant people do that hey if you don't mind i want to mention one other concept right here we're getting a really distorted redefinition of freedom okay and it really concerns me that people are redefining freedom freedom has never meant i'm free to do whatever the hell i want to do OK, we kind of ask you to stop at red lights. We kind of frown upon it if you shoot somebody. OK, so defining things that are dangerous to other people in terms of your personal freedom is an abomination. It's also illogical and it makes no sense. Uh, I'll give you this analogy back in World War II. We were all in it together. Anybody want to call anybody want to call the World War II generation cupcakes or snowflakes? You want to go down that road? Because that was the toughest group of human beings in human history. All right. But we did this thing because we took care of each other. At night, we all turned our lights off. So if there were bad guys in the skies that wanted to bomb our neighborhoods, they wouldn't be able to see us. All right. 
Do you think that there was that clown in the neighborhood that says, no, in the name of my personal freedom, I'm going to leave my lights on? And this is a perfect analogy. One guy leaving his lights on endangers the life of everybody else. And I will analogize it to the pandemic. What you don't understand is here's a situation where this impacts everybody else. And this idea that in the name of your personal freedom, that you are free to do irresponsible things that endanger other folks. I guess I'll use this analogy. You ride a motorcycle and you choose not to wear a helmet. It's very sad. I don't want your brains scrambled. But if your choice of not wearing a helmet results in you getting your brain scrambled, I guess at some level you have a right to scramble your brains. You don't have a right to scramble anybody else's brain. So this, this idea that what's going on in the pandemic involves your personal freedom no, it doesn't. And this is not just a moral concept. It's a constitutional and legal one. There is that idea that, you know, your freedom ends where my nose starts. Your freedom ends where my lungs start. And again, there's never been a tougher group of people in human history than our World War II generation. And they just wouldn't understand this. They defended real freedom, but part of freedom is responsibility. And that means that you do have an obligation to your fellow men, just in the name of common decency. This doesn't have to be kumbaya. It doesn't have to be we are the world. But you have a basic responsibility as a human being, at the very least, not to do things that endanger other human beings. Yeah, I, um, um, on, the, on the freedom side, um, yeah, I understand exactly what you're saying. Uh, I, I would even put it more like, uh, you know, just don't be an asshole. You know, I mean, you. you know, so I'll so buy the bumper sticker. Yeah, I'll buy yeah. It right now, man, you ought to go market that trade. Yeah. I would buy that bumper sticker ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I mean, but yes. So like, yes, I remember the people that would try to go. With, you know, I, I I'm in construction, so I go to Home Depot all the time, and the people that were trying to, you know, like, come on, man, like. They're telling you to wear a mask. If you want to get in here, wear a mask or, you know, you know, what are you going to do? Just work, you know, and people were trying to like, uh, I don't know, like they were like start a revolution or something like that. They're just like, what is it called? LARPing, you know? Uh, so, yeah, just don't be an asshole is basically what it was. You know, like I said, uh, the the easiest way that I just did it was I just respected people's uh, uh, private property rights. And 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 that was it. You know, uh, uh, I, I wore a mask when I had to. When I felt like it was like, uh, you know, like, oh, you know, we're so like uh, the first sporting event that I went to that was uh, still was during the pandemic, but was uh, here in San Antonio. There was a it was a Leo Santa Cruz versus uh, Tank Davis. It was a boxing fight. It was this past last uh, early October. And, uh, you know, uh, boxing uh, events, you know, people there are kind of a, their own breed of basically people, you know, you know, it's, it's heavy drinking and people want to fight, you know? And I was like, and I remember just showing there with my wife, you know, and basically you had to wear a mask, but if you were drinking, you didn't have to wear your mask. So uh, I did kind of find it like a little bit of the theater, you know, there, you know, you have to admit there's some oh, yeah. theater to this. Cause it was kind of like, Oh yeah. You know, if you're, if you're drinking the state sanctioned drink, 
uh, then you're okay. You know, you take off your mask, you know, because you know, the, you know, you could, but uh, I remember telling my wife, I was like, they don't have enough cops here, enough people here to make people wear masks. Like there's no way that the, these boxing, you know, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was like, I don't know, a couple of fights in and it, it's, it, it was basically a, a, a free for all basically. And yeah, you know, we were in a suite. So, you know, uh, we wore our masks more because we were around people that uh, we didn't know and things. So, you know, everybody analyzes the situation, but yes, there are people that aren't as thoughtful and strategic uh, about their situation and about other situation as like, I would like them to be like, you know, I feel I'm like that. And people just fall into a narrative, whether it's for their health benefit or not, if they're in a, uh, you know, these narratives are so, I call them grand narratives because it really is like they're these by side uh, grand narratives. And once you're oh, yeah. in the vortex of one or vortex of other, then, you know, you're taking off in these, in these right. narratives. And I kind of just want to step outside of them and just be like, yo, you know, let's like, uh, uh, both of you guys have, you know, I try to take a balanced approach, but you know, that's just kind of more of my take on it. Uh, but, um, to kind of get close to, uh, the, the ending here, uh, can you kind of, uh, again, I know you mentioned it some, but can you kind of, uh, talk about, the uh, 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 how the, your, your, your media company and the podcast, uh, has, uh, 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 gone and, how, and, and where it's going and how it's, you've, you've gotten your, uh, a pace and, and, and your, your footing into it and, and where you see, uh, some of your future uh, interviews and your content and, 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 and what you got going on basically on, uh, on that front. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Um, I have a wonderful podcast partner named Anthony Pittman and a lot of people in San Antonio may be familiar with Anthony because he's a long time media personality here in San Antonio and he has a wonderful perspective. And so we do a number of different things at radically rational.com and that whole site kind of acts as a repository and a library for it. So for anybody who's curious enough to kind of get a feel for what we're all about, how we go about it, uh, all you got to do is visit radicallyrational.com. And we have a, a daily work routine. Uh, every morning, I will post a daily video that's based on something that's going on current. I also do a news slash opinion blog and a sports blog. And I do that every single morning, and, and I want people to be able to rely on that. So that's just kind of a routine thing. It's not like I could can wake up and feel like, well, I just don't feel like doing it today. Well, guess what? Guess what, Ace? It's your job. So, so go do it. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we do a, a podcast, uh, and we've just been very fortunate. Uh, and we keep all of those uh, on the website. You can get a good sampling of that. I think that we've got like 20 or 25 of them on the website. And the way we do it is we take the most current one and put it in the number one slot on the website. And then everything else is behind it. And of course, you can also access it, as they say, wherever you get your favorite podcast. But one of the fun things about Radically Rational, and this is true of your show as well, Carlos, is there really no limits on the subject matter. We can make just about anything fit. Uh, under the umbrella of radically rational. So yeah, there's some political stuff. There is some stuff about education. There's some science and medicine stuff. Three of the best shows we've ever done are all about music and musicians. And again, I, 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 I want to stress that I know a lot of this material is kind of heavy sometimes. 
And so the approach that we try to take is that when appropriate, we want to take the subject matter seriously, but we never want to take ourselves too serious. Um, this is a fact-based entertainment product. And if I'm failing to entertain you, it means that I am failing in my business, okay? Uh, I want you to laugh. I want you to have a good time. I want you, when appropriate, to get mad at me. I want you to respond to me. I'm, this is never a shock jock thing. I'm not trying to provoke anybody. I'm just going to tell you how I think and how I feel and what my position is. And I'm going to try to do it in an entertaining fashion. You know, and if that makes you want to come back at me, that's fine. That's not the objective. This is not one of these deals where strategically I'm thinking, what can I do to piss somebody off today? That's not where I'm coming from. But if it turns out that it pisses you off, well, then piss on. I mean, I mean, come, come at me. It's okay. I'm not offended. It's, it's absolutely okay. So that's kind of what we're all about. And again, it was founded on the notion that this is insanity. It's when we give ourselves a license to ignore facts and to embrace falsehoods, and a fact is anything we want to believe, and a falsehood is anything we don't want to believe. Okay, that is so out of whack. That is so out of equilibrium. A society cannot survive. And I think we're seeing evidence of that. So, yeah, I'm trying to have some fun with apocalypse. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, thank you, Paul. And yes, audience, uh, go check it out. Uh, their most recent episode they had with a plastic surgeon. Uh, like I said, uh, I, I, I like to watch podcasts and content where I'm able to get something out of it and put it into my operating system. And I had not thought of plastic surgery in the way that it came off in that interview until I, I watched that interview. And uh, 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 so go ch audience out there, go check out the interview and, and, and check out what they put there. They're, they're, they're trying to give you content that you can uh, keep uh, with you for the rest of your life. You know, I'll never look at plastic surgery, like the way I, you know, the way I did before. And now I'll look at it a lot different. And uh, so, yeah, Paul, uh, thank you for uh, coming on. Uh, I, I appreciate it. Uh, I would like to uh, extend an, an invite that uh, whenever the Champions League final game is uh, uh, comes up here, like in uh, midsummer, I'd, I'd like to invite you over to my, my house to uh, come watch the game here with me. Uh, maybe you'll Accepted, come, man. Let's 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 write that down. Let's chisel that in stone. I would look forward to it. And I so much admire what you're doing. And I do want to watch some football with you and, and, and have some fun. And, and again, uh, I'm very, very grateful for the opportunity. And I'm a big fan of you and the show. All right. Thank you very much, Paul. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll do it again. Peace. You got it.